Father, we ask for your help this afternoon. Please, would you help us to see the very heart of the gospel in this passage? Father, please, would you help us not just to see it, to believe it, and to know what it means when we're tempted to be proud or to despair. Amen. So, you remember that moment where your friends started to get their first jobs? Not, not maybe when they were 18 and you're turning adults, or 21 and their proper jobs, but think back all the way back to maybe 14, 15, 16, and it's a paper round, or it's a Saturday job, it's a couple of hours here and there. Do you remember that feeling of seeing someone get a job and they're getting money in their pocket for the very first time? Just something amazing about earning your own way. A few, few nods, grins around the room. Maybe, maybe you don't remember. I remember vividly. Rob Hardy lived on the Lordship Estate and he got a paper round for Mrs. Basra. £13 a week he got in his own pocket. I couldn't believe it. £13 a week to spend on whatever he liked. And at Christmas... Christmas was something else. Christmas, like £100 in tips from people on the Lordship Estate. Money in his own pocket, something else. When you're 14 or 15, being able to earn yourself is just special. So I was desperate to do the same. And we had this ongoing dialogue, me and my parents, and they said, no, we can provide everything you need. You don't need to earn. We can give you what you need but I wouldn't have it. I wanted to earn my own money, get money in my own pocket. I was stubborn. And so, got my own paper round. My parents kept saying, no, you don't need a paper round. You don't need a job. You won't gain anything. £13 a week to get up at six o'clock every morning, to be tired for school. They were desperate that I'd invest in the things that paid off for the rest of life. They were desperate that I'd do things that lasted, get a good education, that I'd work hard. But I was desperate to earn my way. They said, no, no, we'll give you the money that you want for new trainers. We'll provide the things that you will get you games. We can give you those things. But I was desperate to earn my way. And so I got this paper round on the agreement that I'd start paying for the things that I would get. And it didn't take long before that wasn't a very good deal anymore. £13 a week, it doesn't go that far when you want to get trainers and games and go out and see friends. It, it doesn't go that far when shamefully you spend much of that £13 on sweets and fizzy drinks in the, in the paper shop every week, stupidly. <laughs> it became clear my parents were right. I couldn't gain anything. I couldn't earn anything for myself that was of any worth at that point. But I hated to admit it. I knew it. On cold mornings in the winter, getting out at six o'clock gritting my teeth, trying to prove my parents wrong, still spending money in the shop on sweets. It just wasn't working. In fact, the only way, the only reason I gave up that paper round was one morning, 
the, um, the paper bag slipped off my shoulder, got caught in my front wheel. I went over the handlebars and broke my wrist. That was the end of the paper round. That was the only reason it stopped. But I had to admit, I had to admit even to my parents, you were right. I couldn't earn anything worthwhile. I couldn't gain anything. Look, Paul writes this afternoon in chapter 3 with a warning. You cannot earn anything. When it comes to your position before God, you cannot earn anything. Have a look at, down at verse 1. He's pretty concerned. Strong language, isn't it? You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You're getting it so wrong. And he outlines the problem with two questions. Did you see them in 2 and 3? Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, your hard work, or by believing what you heard? Verse 3, after starting with the Spirit, this gift, can you continue by the flesh, your hard work? He's saying, Christian, you have the Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit is a person in you at work, a power, but... It's a gift. It is a gift. You only got it as you believed what you heard. You didn't earn it. You cannot earn it. But look at verse 3. Paul actually acknowledges that there is another power at work within the Christian. There's the new power, the spirit, that acknowledges sin. It relies on Christ. But there's the old power, the flesh, that still tries to earn. The flesh tries to self-justify. The the flesh tries to self-promote. And here's the big question at the heart of this passage. After starting the Christian life with a gift, can you continue by hard work? Of course not. That self-justifying, proud, old self, it never got you anywhere. It could never have earned anything. Even when the effort of the flesh, it gives the illusion of good things. Evil's right there. It's wrapped up in selfishness and pride. You cannot earn anything. When it comes to your position before God, you cannot earn anything. But you see, the Galatians, they're in danger of being fatally hampered by the loss of two key senses. The first, seeing the truth about Jesus. Have a look at what Paul says in verse 1. Before your very eyes, Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. Galatians, Christians, your acceptance into God's family is given, not earned. You cannot earn anything. Have you lost sight of what Jesus has clearly shown? This is the foundational truth of the gospel. Jesus was crucified. He gave himself for you on the cross so that you would be accepted by God. Your place is given by that work, not earned. Can you see that? 
I wonder, where are you in danger of looking elsewhere, looking for some other truth? Serving at church? Oh, you know what? I'm on the rotor so much. I, I actually, I'm on the rotor more than I'm not. I, I give, I contribute so much to the life of town church. God is, is going to see that it's worth his while having me here. Money? I handle my money pretty well, you know. The, the places I give to, how careful I am, God's going to be so pleased to have me as one of his people. Quiet times, I'm going to nail it every day without fail, spend decent amounts of time such that, that God would be so pleased. Those big decisions of life, I'm going to make sure that God recognises I'm worthwhile. No. No. You can't earn anything. Here's a second key sense. Listening and responding to what God says. Look at verse 2 and 5. Repeated. You received the Spirit by believing what you heard. You see, all the Christian does is listen to what God has to say to them and believing. That's all. Listening to what God has to say and believing. I wonder what other voice are you in danger of believing? Maybe it's the voice that says, you can't possibly shake off that thing in the past. You can't possibly think that that God would accept you, just leave that, sort that. Surely you've got to do more. Or the voice that says, are you really good enough? With the things that God's given you, are you really good enough? Do you really contribute enough with the things that God's given you to the life of the church, to God? Or maybe it's the voice that says, actually, you are pretty good. You contribute much. You're worth it. You deserve God's favour. No. Listen and respond to what God says. You cannot earn anything. And you see, at the time... Those that liked being legalistic, we call the Judaizers, they were saying, well, hold on, what about Abraham? Wasn't Abraham the instigator of earned righteousness? Is it all different now? Surely Abraham said you could earn something when it comes to your position before God. He was Mr. Righteousness, wasn't he? Well, look at verse 6. So Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. See how that reflects what Paul said already? Abraham believed what he heard. He took God at his word and he responded. It was credited to him as righteousness. It was given, not achieved. Do you see what it it says further down? God was announcing the gospel in advance. God was always going to justify sinners by faith. 
verse 9 says we become part of Abraham's family when we rely on faith. When we see that Jesus is the only way and we listen to God's voice as the only authority. They're the two key senses that the Galatians are in danger of losing touch with. You cannot earn anything. Or maybe the question is, well, what's the point of the law then? What is the point of the law if you can't earn anything by it? Well, laws don't guarantee compliance. They guide behaviour. Laws don't guarantee compliance. They guide behaviour. You know that. If you drive a car, I'm sure you know that. Most of you broken the speed limit, I'm sure. In fact, as you go on the uh, motorway, it's very clear. The law doesn't guarantee compliance, but it does guide behaviour because as you go onto the motorway, if the speed limit's 70, the average speed across the motorway, by and large, is 70. Without doubt, there'll be some in the inside lane driving 66, and there'll be some in the outside lane driving 85, but by and large... It's 70. Or take coronavirus as as an example. Did they, while voting in Parliament, believe for a second that every letter of the law of um, the restrictions would get adhered to? Did they, for a second, believe there would be um, complete compliance? Well, clearly not. Clearly, and yet the restrictions, they have had some positive impact. They have done, to some degree, what they set out to do. Interestingly, they, they always said the restrictions, they don't defeat the infection, they just delay its effect, enable us to cope. And so Paul tells us two clear things about the law. First, the law doesn't impart life. The law was not given to impart life. Look at verse 21. If the law was given to impart life, then righteousness righteousness would have come by it. The purpose of the law is not to give life. It's not to be the mechanism by which individuals are brought into God's family. Well, If it's not to impart life, what is it for? The question in verse 19 remains the same. Well, do you see Paul's answer there in verse 19? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. Bit cryptic. In other words, it was given because of sin to point to sin's solution. The law, it was given because of sin to point to sin's solution. It shows us what God is like. It shows us his perfect standard. It, it curbs and, and keeps sin at a distance. It, it, it keeps it from escalating. It didn't guarantee compliance, but it did go, uh, guide behaviour. It points towards a problem that needed an ultimate solution. 
What's the point of the law? Well, it, it says it, it points towards the seed and the promise. We'll come back to that in a minute. But you cannot earn anything yourself. The law doesn't bring you life. It just points on to something else. What is it pointing to? What's the seed? What's the promise? Well, here's what we see. Paul says, you have everything in Christ. Just read with me from verse 26 onwards. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Do you pick what was repeated there? Do you see what Paul's stressing? If you're in Christ, verse 26. If you're in Christ, verse 27. If you're in Christ, verse 28. If you belong to Christ, verse 29. This promise is yours. You are welcomed into a new family. Everything has been done for you. Look at verse 29. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed with Jesus. Jesus is the seed. He's the solution that was always needed. Jesus is the seed that was spoken of. Just have a look back to verse 16. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. Do you see, in every single way that you and I couldn't get anywhere close to matching up to the law, Jesus did. When, when he died on the cross, every single one of your failings was crucified with him if you trust in him. And because he rose again, he offers you life. Life where you're accepted because of what's been done for you, not what you've earned. You cannot earn. You can't work to be any more in. You can't be more accepted you can't be more worthy. If you are in Christ, you are in. You can't be anything more than in. You can't. There is no word to be more than in. You can't earn anything. The only way that we can navigate life that is a gift is to recognise that it's a gift. To not try and earn to see an almighty change in power has happened inside the person that trusts in jesus look at what verse 20 of chapter 2 says just flick back i've been crucified with christ and i no longer live but christ lives in me the life i now live in the body i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me do you see, it's a new power. It's not the flesh, the old power, the self-justifying. It's a new power in me, the spirit. It couldn't be done any, way, any other way. Here's how one writer has put it. No saving good, no eternal good, no 
God-exalting good, no soul-satisfying good comes to us except as we are connected to Christ. No saving good, no eternal good, no God-exalting good, no soul-satisfying good comes to us except as we are connected to Christ. Look, here's the remarkable truth for us this afternoon. Whether you call yourself a Christian in the room this afternoon or not, if you trust in Jesus, if you accept this news, even this afternoon, no matter who you are, no matter what you bring to the table, no matter what baggage that you think is a huge deal, no matter how respectable you are, no matter how well paid you are, no matter how well you are raised, how good an education, no matter how funny, no matter how well you can hold yourself in conversation, no matter what you bring to the table, if you belong to Christ, You are Abraham's seed, part of God's family and heirs according to the promise. If you trust in Jesus, you are in. In Christ, in God's family, forever. The question for every single one of us in the room, have you accepted that invitation? Are you heirs of that inheritance? And if you have, what does it actually look like to continue to live by way of this gift? Live by faith in Jesus. Maybe you've heard that said a million times. It's such a common Christian jargon phrase. What does it actually mean? What does it actually look like? Look, when you're desperate to speak to your friend about Jesus and it goes really well and you have an, a really great conversation and you come away and you think, oh, that was good. You haven't earned anything of your standing before Jesus. You are no more in Christ. And when it goes really badly and you're on the spot and you know you wimp out and you think, oh, that was rubbish. And you come away and you think, I'm rubbish. You have not lost anything of your salvation. You're no less in Christ. When you wake up in the morning, you're wide awake, you're buzzing about life and you just can't wait to open your Bible. You've not gained anything of your salvation. You're no more in Christ. And when you wake up, you snooze your alarm, you're more bothered about coffee, Breakfast, checking social media, not even thought about God. You haven't lost anything of your salvation. You're no less in Christ. When you feel like you're being so faithful with the time and responsibilities God's given you, when you could give yourself a pat on the back and say, hey, I'm, I'm doing really well. You've not gained anything of your standing before Jesus. You're no more in Christ. When you feel like a failure, when you're just messing up with the things that God's given you, you feel like you're rubbish, 
are the things that you do compared to other people, even at church, in the, in the way that you contribute to the family. You've not lost anything of your salvation. You're no less in Christ. And look, maybe even those words, they, they sound pretty unsettling, like surely there's a consequence. Surely it matters that we're, we're doing good stuff. What if you, you keep getting it wrong? Well, if Christ is in you, by his spirit, he will be working to preserve those two key senses. To see who I am in Christ. Will you remember to your position in God's family is given, not earned? Will you fix your eyes on the cross where Jesus was crucified for you, where the work was done? Will you do that regularly? Will you listen to what God has to say? Let the Spirit take it to your heart to shape you and, and all that you are. That's relying on faith. You cannot earn anything, but you have everything in Christ. And look, sure, we'll get that wrong all the time. But more and more, with Christ in you, the Spirit shaping you, that will become more and more of our experience. You're not accepted by a process which you have to work harder at. You're accepted by a person. Will you look at what he's done for you? Will you listen to what he has to say to you? Because you can't earn anything. And you do have everything in Christ. Let me pray. Father, please, would you help us? Please, would you help us, every single one of us in the room, to grasp what we have in the Lord Jesus? Lord, if maybe that's for some of us the first time we've even considered listening to Jesus. Please, might we? Father, please, would we remember and know in the best moments of life and the hardest moments of life that we cannot earn anything of our position before you. Please would you help us to know that we have everything in Christ. Amen. Well, we're going to sing. And these are the words of one of the choruses. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated. Jesus, now and ever is my plea. Oh, the chains are released. I can sing, I am free. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. So let's sing together.